I just call to say I love you. Hello there, Michelle. Hello, Georgette. How are you? I'm all right. Now, here we are together again, still in the same... (laughs) Still in the same house, but not the same room. Now let's get this wrapped up so we can go and watch I'm a Celebrity to get me out of here later. I'm a Celebrity. I'm a Celebrity. <laughs> you told me Richard Maidley's on this this time round. I mean, that's that you can't miss it. Can't miss that. No, but I mean, you might need to explain who Richard Maidley is to people who don't know. Oh, I thought you didn't know for a moment there. I was like, Michelle, we were just talking about him last night. He is the other half of Richard and Judy. Richard is the tall, goofy one. Well, he's not really intentionally goofy. He's quite dapper, but he always he's a bit like Prince Philip, isn't he? He always makes a cock up and people love him for it. But didn't he call someone out recently and he did a really good job? I think it was something to do with Piers Morgan. I think he's replaced Piers Morgan on the morning show. But they used to do This Morning together, him and Judy. Yeah. Now he's, I think he has replaced Piers Morgan. He was the younger man, wasn't he? She was the older woman in the relationship. Yes. Quite controversial, I believe, at the time. Do you remember we were audience members for one of their spin-off shows, an evening show, a talk show with Richard and Judy? And we were in the bar, like it was way back when Rufus Hound had just started as a comedian because he was the warm-up guy. So he was in the bar with about, it was like a galley kitchen somewhere. The size of the bar was tiny. It was in somewhere like Kennington or Oval. And you and I had gone there after work, got free drinks at the bar, sat there. We had to cheer and there was clips of us all going, yay, in between time. (laughs) So it was a bit like they were trying to cash in on that whole live audience in the background kind of thing and we yeah. could we could chat to the guests who were hanging out with us until they went on and the first guest was was a margarita prakatan it was margarita prakatan and it was clive fucking james, james! yes of we, course we that was well yeah. you particularly threw yourself at him i must say <laughs> <laughs> Clive, can I sit on your knee, Clive? Oh, Clive, we love you. We're Australian too, Clive. (laughs) I know, I just ran up to him, didn't I? And it looked as though in the interview with Richard and Judy, they wheeled out old Margarita (laughs) Prakatan. Rest in peace, Margarita, she's passed away. So has Clive. They wheeled her out. They had this wonderful reunion because back in the day, in the 80s and 90s, he had a talk show and she would always come on at the end and sing things like, I just call to say I love you. <laughs> things like that oh on God. her little Hammond organ. Well, you'd think that they were like, oh, he was like, oh, Margarita. Oh, Clive, it's so good to see you. Backstage wasn't like that, was it? They didn't have any. No. They had no love for each other. No, there was no rapport. No No rapport at all. They loved us more than they loved each other. Margarita loved us. Yes. You'd think there was no other audience members. I think I even said, my surname's Margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Did we not say what's going on with you and and Clive? Did we not get the juice on him, her and Clive? If we did, I don't remember what the juice was. We could have sold that juice to Heat Magazine for big dollar. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. Maybe because we're decent people, Michelle. We don't want to cash in on other people's misery. Maybe. Except for this podcast, because we're always talking about other people's misery. <laughs> oh, God, that was a blast from the past. You know, I hadn't forgotten it, but I had 
forgotten that it was Richard Maidley because I was thinking, did I meet Margarita Prakatan when I was in the audience for Dancing on Ice? Oh, now we're name dropping. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Yes. So shout out actually to Jane Beacon, who's got amazing career in being producer for all these reality TV shows. She's amazing. And yeah, Jane got us backstage. I remember actually my friend Jez, he got me into the final of... X Factor uh, or something. It was X Factor. And oh, those little boys with Harry, who were they? Oh, Jedward. One Direction. Oh. Yeah, that was quite a thing. I was buzzing. Michelle. was at the time. While you're here, can we not tap them up for some backstage passes to any reality show? I'm not a fan of reality shows, but I'd love to go to one just for a laugh. Let's try. Okay. Lucy Beacon, Jane Beacon. Can we give you a shout out in return for some free tickets to some reality TV show audiences, please? Here we go. Shout out. Shout out. You're getting a shout out. Except not, what is it? What's the naked one? Naked and afraid? Let's not go to no, that naked one. Naked attraction. Naked attraction. Oh. I don't want to see that. No. Because it's not attractive. I don't know. Anyway. So. What are we talking about today, Michelle? Well, I thought I'd just kick off actually by giving you a little update on Melissa Caddick. Oh. So I don't know if you remember who she is. She's the lady who lost her foot. Well, I mean, she did also steal 25 million from her friends and family. That's the one. But anyway, that's the one. So yes, she lost her foot. I think she's still alive, limping around without a foot. I think she's been killed by bikers. I think she's kaput. (laughs) The foot is kaput. No, I think she's, yeah, she's dead. She's been hit. Do you know what? I am sort of coming round to that idea. Oh, why? Because you've read something? No, I just think we would have heard from her by now. What, you think she would have called? You never call, you never write, Melissa. (laughs) Well, I actually have some information that you might be interested in about phone calls a little later, but we'll get to that. So, Melissa Caddick, she obviously stole loads of money from friends and family. Now, the court has decided that they are going to sell off all her assets, which includes turfing her elderly parents out (gasps) of their home, even though they were also ripped off by their daughter. So, it's all kicking off. It's not great. I don't know how that's going to go down. But yeah, that's the latest on Melissa Caddick. And kidnapping, you know, I had lots of people get in touch with new leads for new kidnap stories. So stay tuned, people, because we're probably going to do a, another kidnapping episode. Well, we'll give the people what they want. Soon. They like to hear about kidnapping, do they? Oh, you're a grim <laughs> lot. <laughs> people, listen to me. People. Don't do that. People. people. I told you, people. People. Scary stuff. People. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us, Michelle, what's what's the story today? What are we talking about this week? What's the theme? Ghosts, spirits, poltergeists, and voices from the dead. I, oh. I didn't know how to phrase that, but yes, voices from the, from dead. the dead. From the dead. From the dead. The dead, the dead, the dead, the dead. <laughs> Okay, well, I hope that those of you listening to this podcast at night, make sure that you're not alone, that you've got at least one little light on, a night light. Turn on your little night light because you could get scared. 
Brace yourself, people. Do you remember that E.T. song? No. Turn on your heart light. Oh. That's what I feel like. <laughs> Lock your doors. Shut your windows. Be prepared to get scared. Okay. Not really. It's not scary. <laughs> it's Come not on, scary. Come on, Michelle. Shiver me timbers. Let's hear it. On your recommendation, I actually started listening to this series on BBC Sounds. Um, called? I actually don't know if it's called A Story of Ghosts. I think it's called The, the History of Ghosts. And I listened to episode 10 called oh. Did You Hear That? I thought that was episode one. I could have everything wrong because... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. A History of Ghosts by... Kirsty Logan. Okay. And she's exploring the evolution of ghost lore and it's on sounds and Radio 4. The episode that I listened to was called Did You Hear That? It was really interesting. And look, they're quick. This was 13 minutes or something. So, you know, you can just pop this podcast on uh, while you're doing your vacuuming. Actually, no, because it's too loud. While you're doing your cleaning, whatever it is. So you Mm. can get through it. Driving Um, to the shops, that's when I heard it. Well, I think you need to be careful because don't you have to have that Waze thing on? So it No, I, I know my way. Through? I know my way to the shops. I don't need Waze to tell me where to, how to get there. You mean like a sat-nav? Uh, no, I don't know. I just feel like you're not allowed to like have have something in your ears while Well, it wasn't driving. in my ears. It was on – you plug it in through your speakers. Oh, God, you're so technical. <sighs> anyway, I listened to this one and it was really interesting. It was all about – People hearing voices of the dead. It started off actually talking about Nikola Tesla. Oh. The same Tesla that Elon Musk named his company after. Yeah. So this guy was a Serbian-American inventor, born 1856. Uh, He was an electrical engineer and a mechanical engineer. And he actually invented AC, as in ACDC. So he, and it stands for Alternating Current Electricity Supply System. So kind of a smart dude, right? And he created this thing called a spirit radio. Oh. Yeah, that could capture ghostly sounds. He's got this quote where he says, my first observations positively terrified me as there was present in them Something mysterious, not to say supernatural, and I was alone in my laboratory at night. So he freaked himself out. And this was in 1901. Mm -hmm. So then Thomas Edison was really, really enraptured by all of Nikola Tesla's research. And he decided that he was going to try and rival Tesla's invention by building a spirit telephone. Oh, we've done this before, Michelle, have we? We did a Talking to the Dead episode and you said there was that telephone box down the back of the garden that people could ring up or the Japanese telephone where you could ring up and speak to the dead. So that was um, that was called telephone in the wind or something. And that was metaphorical rather than literally. Well, do you know, people said that they would pick up this phone, which was disconnected it had no supply to anything this is the one in japan yeah and it was after there was a massive earthquake and people had lost all their loved ones and they would you know this guy did it actually i think it started off for his brother or his his best friend or something he put this 
this telephone box down the end of the garden. People would go, to, his brother or his best friend would go to this telephone box, pick it up and just talk to nobody. It was really about kind of handling their like grief. therapy. And it really caught on. Like somebody heard about it and said, oh, can I go? And then all of a sudden it's this nationwide phenomenon where everybody hmm. was going. But it wasn't connected to anything. So the difference here with Thomas Edison is that he actually wanted to have it connected, not just to an electricity supply, but to the, you know, to the to the netherworld, to the spirit world. So when he was creating this, he looked to Einstein's theories of quantum entanglement and special relativity. And don't even ask me what they mean, because those concepts are way too advanced for my brain. But at the end of it, he sort of came to the conclusion that Ghosts weren't the spirits of the dead returned from the grave. What he thought they were was mass converted into units of energy after the physical body stops working. Oh, that's the interesting theory, isn't it, that we liked? Yeah. Like it's just energy that's been been changed into a different energy. I know, because we talked about this recently. Mm. If energy can't be created or destroyed, it just morphs into something else yeah well maybe that is what the energy does it animates our bodies so it seems like that's actually what edison believed right aka the soul the soul he invented this machine spirit machine he invited mediums and scientists to observe an experiment he was doing so he had this projector and it was like sort of a projector machine that emitted this thin beam of light into a photoelectric cell. And then there was like a, a meter, like a needle meter that moved um, when it was attached to the machine. And his theory was if a spirit passed through the light beam, the needle would move. He switched this machine on in front of all these mediums and scientists and you know, everyone was there with beta breath, just waiting. And hours and hours passed, the needle never moved. So it was really, really disappointing experiment. And yeah, and afterwards, you know, he spoke to mediums, and they all said, well, we don't know if it was the machine didn't work. We just think there weren't any spirits in the room. Because I don't think there are spirits in every room. So it was, it was a bit of a disappointing result but he wasn't discouraged by this and he then continued to work on his spirit telephone all throughout the 1920s but that never really came to anything I mean can you imagine it would be absolutely amazing if you could just like call up the dead but it wouldn't be any you wouldn't be somebody necessarily that you knew would it it'll just be a random spirit that's floating across the airwaves I think it wouldn't be like Nana <laughs> Nana, is that you? Nana says, "Hooroo! Don't say goodbye. It's bad luck. Say hooroo." That's what she oh, used Nana. to say. Never say goodbye. That's forever. Oh, I always say goodbye. Always. Well, that means goodbye forever. You must never say oh. it. Nana says it's got to be hooroo. All right. See you later. Is no, that hooroo. No. Okay. <laughs> see is fine. You can say see or tata or whatever. See ya or tata for now. I don't know. I think I'm all... Oh, what about bye? Just bye. Yeah, bye. Bye's good, but don't say goodbye. Yeah. Okay. Look, I can tell you so many superstitions that my nana had that she raised us with. So like many. Like what? What? Well, what was there? 
There was there were a lot. Mirrors, broken glass. Ladders? Yeah, don't go under the ladder. The black cat, she hated the black cat. Lightning, she had a lot of issues with lightning because she grew up on a farm. So we weren't allowed to wear anything but rubber shoes outside, if we were allowed outside. <laughs> when there was a thunderstorm, we used to be trapped in the house in the middle of the room, sitting yeah. on the floor, to, all tellies off, phones unplugged for fear of dying. What about telephones? Were you allowed to make a phone call during a storm? You didn't hear me. I just said we had to sit in the middle of a room with tele- all electrical devices and television telephones unplugged. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because my, my mum had similar superstitions. Yeah. She, you know, no, you weren't allowed to walk under ladders, obviously mirrors, all the, all the usual ones. And yeah. we, oh. we did grow up very superstitious. What else was there? There was a certain plant. Oh, peacock feathers, not allowed to have them in the house. No. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yep. No peacock feathers. I told that to our friend Jamie one day when I saw him in the market with the girl that's in his band, talking about Jamie Hintz. I bumped into him many years ago and he was he was holding an armful of peacock feathers. And I no. said, you're not putting those in your house, are you? Nana says. Nana says it's bad luck. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, if Nana says but it, it's not happening. He went on to marry Kate Moss, so he's had nothing but good luck. And they're not together anymore, so. But I think he's done all right. I think he's done all right. He has done all right. I'm not sure what Nana would think of this, but after I was reading about um, Thomas Edison, I kind of thought, I wonder if anyone has actually had weird phone calls from the dead. I'd love to know. Well, I did some research. I'm going to tell you. So there are loads and loads of people who claim to have their phone haunted by dead relatives. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And look, there's actually this one really famous one where a guy had written on Reddit it was actually more about Facebook. He was getting uh, Facebook uh, instant messages from his dead girlfriend. Really? Yeah, but then when I investigated, guess where this story first appeared? In the mirror? Creepy pasta. Oh, creepy pasta. So it was a joke. That one right. was a joke. However, I have found really weird things, again, on Reddit, and I think these ones are real, but... Loads of people saying basically they've had strange experiences with their devices. So there was one from Janae. Her name's Janae. She says, hi, Janae. Hi, Janae. This just happened to my older brother, Matt, about a year ago, just a few weeks after my eldest brother, Jeremy's best friend, Joe, died of heart trouble. Matt received a telephone call from a person that sounded exactly like Joe. He said something like, Matt, it's Joe. It's Jeremy home. Something really strange is going on. Matt freaked out, could hardly answer and said, "Uh, no, he's not. Sorry. Then the phone hung up and Matt looked at the caller ID. It read out of area. So Matt tried star 69, which maybe in America, that's what you do to kind of get the caller ID. 1471. Is that that what it is here? Yeah. And uh, so he did that. But they were unable to trace the call. Janae says it still scares Matt to think of it. (gasps) And then there's, I mean, there's so many, so many. There's one from Leroy. So he says, my husband lost his grandfather a long time ago. 
But just recently, he's been something experiencing something really weird. He's seen his grandfather's name on our caller ID. So we thought someone was calling from his grandfather's house. That was the first time and no one was even home. Just today, for the second time, he was at work and clearly, along with co-workers, heard the phone ring. He answered it on the first ring, but only heard a dial tone. When he looked at the phone's directory, which has no caller ID, but lists who he has called, he saw his grandfather's name again. So, really weird things. I mean, there is story after story after story on here. So, there was this other one where I think it was called That Cat Jack. That's the user handle anyway. Gotcha. He said... My dad passed away in 2016. I had his phone after he died, but I'd taken his SIM card out and put mine in. And so his phone was left in my bedroom at home. Anyway, I was walking to work and my phone started ringing. And it was my dad's number and it still said dad on the caller ID. So it's the number and it says dad. He says, I was freaked out, but I answered it and all I heard was breathing. Then he hung up. I was really frightened and I phoned my sisters to ask if it was them, but they said they'd got the same call. No. Yeah. And then on on this Reddit thread, it says, there's this guy who kind of responds to this and says, honestly, you can use any app such as Spoof Card, for example, to make it look like any number is calling. And oh, Okay. So someone's having them on. Well, there are apps out there, but who would be so mean? Yeah, it's a bit cruel. It is. And apparently you can do an app where you can get a voice changer and all this kind Mm. of stuff. But I mean, I don't know. And it's just, it's a weird thing. But is it paranoid normal? Is it just pranksters? Who knows? But Mm. there are tens and tens of these people like on Reddit, just all talking about people calling their phones. And I mean, they go on and on. Do you know what? I'm going to put some links to these because... It's really weird, but I think there is something in it. What's your explanation, Michelle? Well, it's not actually my explanation. It's from somebody called Vagina here. Vagina? That's their handle. Vagina here. It's actually vagina. Vagina. Okay. Vagina? Vagina. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's spelled vagina. Okay, let's just go it's with re- that. Let's go with that. You've probably got it right. Do you think we should call it vagina? No, I think we should call it what it is. Just call it what it is, people. Vagina. It's a vagina. So vagina here says, I have had different experiences with electronic contact from the dead, especially from my fucking Roku. Now, Roku Roku is one of those um, streaming like plug-in things like an Amazon Fire Stick. We've got that. You've got a Roku. We've got Roku on our television. It's just a weird, dumb channel with really shit shows. Well, Vagina here says her fucking, I think it's a woman, says her fucking Roku is is basically a, a conduit. A conduit for the spirits. Yes. OMG. But then Vagina here says, I'll try to give some insight <laughs> as to the mechanics behind the phone calls to help people understand. So it's a combination of two things. Capacitive touch screens and phone processors. First, the non-physical are energy. 
Capacitive touch screens work off the weak electrical signal generated by our fingers. Hmm. And when we talk, our voices are turned into electric signals that are transmitted from one electrical device to another. So the static that people hear on ghost calls is because the non-physical person isn't in control of the amount of energy they produce, unlike when they had a body to see. Well, I think she's blinded me with science here. (laughs) Where's Neil? Neil the scientist. Neil. He's real. Neil the scientist. Neil. He's He's a scientist. Neil. Orange peel. He blinded us with science. I think what she's saying is when, when you have a body, you're in control of the energy because your physicality touching a screen mm. is the limitation of the energy. When you are spirit, you have no physical body to control. So how much energy is being transmitted, that's what the phone picks up. They And they also generate static. So she actually believes that it is a spirit or the spirit power. Yes. Trying to find that Bill and Ted's excellent adventure or something on Roku. Yeah. And then the other part, she says, is that phone processes are easy to mess with. The non-physical, i.e. spirits, live outside of Earth's Newtonian physics and time constraints. So they literally stop the processor because the processor is essentially a bunch of clocks. It allows the non-physical user to queue up a command. So when the phone fires off an alert... It'll do something like make a phone call or, in Vagina's case, fuck with her Roku Roku app. So she thinks modern technology is bridging the gap between the physical and the non-physical. Wow. I don't know. I mean, I would be interested in a scientific explanation or like backing up of that because I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. And I'm wondering if maybe there are more cases of the dead trying to get in touch with us because of our advancements in technology. Because there have been other times in the past where there's been a lot of reported activity of the dead or spirits being getting in touch. And quite often it's around the time of world wars. Well, we've touched on this before in a previous episode, haven't we? Where mediums suddenly experience uh, an upsurge in communication with the spirits Mm. this kind of then took me down a wormhole of clairaudience which again we have talked about clairaudience we have which episode was that michelle number who knows oh jesus christ talking to the dead talking to the dead i'll put it i'll put a link in the show notes and it's basically where you have the ability to hear voices or sounds or messages from beyond the physical Mm. world And I can't remember if I talked about it, but this has happened to me twice in my life. No, I don't think you've shared this. The first time it happened to me, it was when I got mugged in Sydney. I just got off the plane and I had gone to see my friend Felicity. We'd had this great night and we were sitting on the street, literally sitting in the gutter, waiting for my taxi to come. And we were just chit-chatting and I had this bag next to me. It had everything in there because I was just lazy. I hadn't taken anything out. So it had my passport, all my credit cards. It had 
shoes, just everything I'd had in the plane. Like it was ridiculous. I don't know why I was carrying it around. And loads of money, like British money, Australian money, everything. I was sitting there and we were talking. Out of the blue, this voice very clearly, and I cannot tell you if it was a male voice or a female voice, but, and it was not my internal voice you know it wasn't Mm, like mm. my thoughts but this voice very very clearly said to me what's your bag and I was like what and then literally seconds later this man out of nowhere ran up to me said hi girls have you got the time and I was like uh uh no Before I knew what was happening, he'd pushed me over, grabbed my bag, ran to the end of the street where a car was waiting for him. Oh, my God. I ran after him, tried to jump in the car to get my bag. Oh, my God, Michelle. Got pushed, nearly got thrown under the car, covered in bruises, cried, went down to the police station where it turns out the same people had mugged three other women that night for their bags. But I was the first and afterwards... They started using a crowbar on these girls. <gasps> what, whacking them? Yeah, because, and I, I felt a lot of guilt like I had caused that because I had fought back. Yeah. So that was the first time. The second time, I was in Zermatt. I'd been drinking neat vodka. I'd been dancing with strangers. I got My taken God. to this nightclub where I was downstairs in the basement. This guy had gone to get me a drink. I was just hanging around. I heard this voice, the same voice, not my thoughts, but this voice say to me very, very clearly in a very loud nightclub, turn around. And I turned around and directly behind me in the shadows, I saw a guy that I had met two days earlier on the mountain and it was Andreas. Oh, And I walked up and I said, hi, do you remember me? And from there, that's how we got together. Wow. Michelle, you've never told me about this inner voice of yours. I don't think it's mine, though. I don't think it's my inner voice. Or your angelic voice or whatever, whoever, your guardian angel's voice. Maybe that's what it is. I really don't know. Two times this has happened to me in very significant moments. Wow. Yeah, really strange. So I I kind of did a little research into this and a lot of people have this. And in fact, there was this one, I thought you'd be interested in this because, you know, you're doing your counselling course. Mm-hmm. And this woman, I didn't catch her name actually, she says, I had a counsellor accuse me of being schizophrenic when I told him I was a psychic. He still said, no, no, if you're hearing voices, you've got borderline personality disorder, somatic system, autism. He just kept adding loads of diagnoses. Then his mother's spirit channeled through her in fluent Italian. In the session. Yes, in the session. And she doesn't speak Italian. And she started channeling this woman's voice and started yelling at him for five minutes in fluent Italian. Hmm. And she came through like the counsellor's mother came through and then was gone. And she says the counsellor just sat there looking at her, just going, what the fuck? He turned white. And he basically said she'd called him the nickname his mother had used for him. 
Mm. And that the mother had berated him and said he was refusing to see an honest person because he had a stupid bias. So, and after that, the whole thing flipped around. As a counsellor, he shouldn't have any biases. It's going to affect the work. That's right, but he did. He he almost got her section. So I think. Oh it's, my goodness, that's yeah, amazing! What a yeah. great story, Michelle. So there you go. But um, Aww. so Claire, audience, I wonder if there is something connected to haunted phones, Claire, audience, the idea of physics, quantum physics, because there was so much in this BBC Sounds podcast. And like I said, I'll put a link. You know, stuff actually about James Vlahos, which you had talked about in a previous episode. The inventor of Dadbot. Oh, yes. Well, Michelle, I listened, I too listened to the history of ghosts on Radio 4. And the reason why I'm not that technically adept listening to it on speakers in my car on a trip to the shops it's because it was on radio four (laughs) and i was listening to the radio i love radio four yeah it's fabulous so it's only 10 or 15 minutes long like you said and my one was about poltergeists and you know how we love a poltergeist around here michelle do we do we are in the city of poltergeists well we did do that episode previously this season which means 2021 yes and i can't remember which number episode it was but it was called london poltergeists where you discussed the case of mrs i can't remember her name but i do mention her later the housewife in thornton heath and i talked about the Battersea ghost which was shirley and janet in enfield the enfield haunting so if you'd like to hear about those stories you'll have to go back and listen to that episode which is really good I really enjoyed that episode because I find this fascinating and I and I find the fact the story of uh the Enfield haunting thoroughly fascinating if you ever get to watch the mini series with Timothy Spall it's really good and also Guy Fairplay was played by the guy in succession Tom Wormsbams, whatever his name is. Matthew McFadgen, Shiv's husband, Tom. He's kind of a weird guy because he plays so many different characters and yet he's always the same. And yet he's kind of always the same. No, I think he's always different. So creepy in succession. You don't fancy him, do you? God, no. God, no. No, no, no. no. God, no. I shouldn't say Ah! that. He's a very handsome man, but he's not my type. No, he's not my type. I'm going to tell you about, it's called the Dolby Spook. What? Never heard of this. In the Isle of Man, September 1931, James and Margaret Irving and their 13-year-old daughter, Vwari, which is a really mm. unusual name, V-O-I-R-R-E-Y, they mm. lived in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in the Isle of Man. I've never been to the Isle of Man. Have you been? No, never. Well, I think it's quite... I don't know. It feels like quite magical. I don't know. They've got a cat, haven't they? The Manx cat. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know enough about it. But anyway, they lived in this farmhouse which had wooden wall panels. And one day they began hearing scratching sounds from behind the walls. They also heard voices and rustling and all sorts of strange, like they thought there was animals trapped in there or or. At one point, they thought it was a baby trapped behind the wall because they could hear a baby crying. It was very bizarre. This went on for a while. And then eventually, they would start knocking back or at one point, the dad, James, was growling through the wall like a dog because he thought, it. I don't know, he wanted a response. Well, he was shocked when the growl was returned. Then they heard a high-pitched, well, 
at that point, I think Voari started singing nursery rhymes to it and it would sing them back. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's creepy. In this really weird, clear, high-pitched voice. Ultimately, it was revealed to be a talking mongoose called Jeff. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. <laughs> it's spelled G-E-F. He was small with yellow hair and a big bushy tail. And Jeff told them he was born in Delhi in 1852 and had lived with a tall man who wore a green turban on his head, a hunchback and a man by the name of Holland. And by the time he took up with Holland, Jeff had made his way to Egypt and Holland was the one who then took him from Egypt to England. So Jeff's been all around, all around the blocks. He's been, around, been around the houses. Yeah. He told them he was an earthbound spirit and a ghost in the form of a mongoose. Because I was about to say, a mongoose is an animal. How is yes. the animal talking? I got very well, confused. And I actually, mongoose. while you were talking, I just Googled mongoose because I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what she's talking about. Like a ferret or a weasel. Do you know what it says? A mongoose is a small terrestrial carnivorous mm. mammal. Carnivorous? That's a worry. Yeah. Because I know things about Jeff, so that's, that's a bit worrying. <gasps> really? I mean, they're quite cute, but... Mm. I don't know if I'm... Jeff was. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Anyway. I want to know. Tell me more about well, Jeff. He warned the, fa- the Irving family that he was extra, extra clever, but not always kind. No. He said, I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into a stone or a pillar of salt. Whoa. He also said all sorts of things. He said also, I can split the atom and I'm the eighth wonder of the world. And all sorts of crazy things Jeff came out with. Oh, my God. Jeff sounds bizarre. Well, he was bizarre and he, and he started out doing like he was a bit like a once they got used to him, he was a bit like a little pet and he would take on household jobs around the house. Like he'd guard their house and he'd let them know if guests were arriving. He didn't like guests very much. He'd tell them to F off or piss off. He, like, he swore a lot as well. And if somebody forgot to put out the fire, Jeff would put it out. So how can I ask, like, how was he manifesting? Well, to be fair, only Voiri could see him, but everybody could hear him. Oh. But at one point, actually, I think James does say that he has seen him as well. And it was a very clear voice. Yep. Shit. Clear, high voice. The family would actually leave food out for him. And in the morning, the food would be gone and he would tell them what he'd eaten. He'd be chattering away in the morning in this really weird, clear, high voice. Sometimes Jeff would say he had left the house and caught rides around town, hanging off the back of cars and other vehicles. And when he came back, he'd tell them all the latest gossip. And sometimes he'd even kill rabbits for them and leave them on the doorstep for the Irvings to make supper. He was a busy boy. He was. I don't know if he was a boy. He was a a mongoose. The world (laughs) heard about Jeff, and it was the talk of the island. The entire world was captivated by these tales of the talking mongoose, who was said to speak in a range of foreign languages. He was multilingual, Michelle. This guy, he's he's a talent. He could speak Hindustani as well as singing, whistling, coughing in a human manner, swearing, dancing and attending political meetings. He also gave a reporter some betting tips. <laughs> this is getting more and more. I know it sounds like a creepy pastor, but it's not. This is something that happened. This is well documented. True to his word, Jeff could be cruel, though. He would lose his temper, and once he called James a fat headed gnome. 
Oh, that's not that bad. Not very nice, is it? He seemed obsessed with Vari. And when her parents moved her bed into their room because she was frightened to sleep on her own because of Jeff, he cried out, I'll find her wherever you go. Oh, God. Creepy. Yeah, he made threats to kill the family. He threw things. He threw ointment jars, packing case needles. What are they? Stones and even heavy pieces of furniture. Okay. So he's got a temper. He had a temper. He'd say things like, he'd threaten them and say things like, I'm not evil. I could be if I wanted. You don't know what damage or harm I could do if I were roused. (laughs) I could kill you all, but I won't. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for sparing everyone. We'll all sleep well tonight, Jeff. Thanks for that. The papers got hold of the story and soon the paranormal investigators arrived. Mm. So they believed the mongoose was a poltergeist attached to teenage Vwari. But other ideas were that Vwari was making the sounds of Jeff speaking by using ventriloquism and one reporter said he could hear the voice but he also noticed that she had her fingers to her lips when it was happening. So All the time? Surely the parents would have seen yeah, that as thing. well. That's the thing. Yeah, mm. I don't know if it was all the time. But the family were an odd family. It was, it was James's second marriage, like almost a second life. He was previously quite a well-to-do piano salesman. And then they sold up. He remarried Margaret. And they, he already had two older girls who had grown up and moved on. And he and Margaret moved to the middle of nowhere, to this isolated place in, in uh, Isle of Man. They never integrated with the community They had no phone, no electricity, didn't like visitors. They were very isolated. (laughs) They were much older than Vari. It was a big age gap. Like they were elderly parents and people thought it was a bit odd. You know, Mm. this young girl living with these aged parents. And some believe as a result that the family developed mental health problems. Oh, well, you do have to wonder if there there were mental health issues before Jeff made an appearance. mm. Because I don't know. As you'll find out. The reporters and some of the paranormal investigators mm. felt that the family were, were straight up, straight up and really and honest and and authentic. Yeah. And they believed, well, they believed what they were saying. The family believed it. So yeah. they had to go about either proving or disproving. And in July 1935, paranormal investigator Harry Price visited. And there's a book by Harry and another man called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap. I think it's called Cash and Cap, which is the area that they lived in. He said that he didn't believe the story, but equally he didn't think that the family had made it up. So I don't know quite what that meant he did think. Well, while I was doing my research, I came across this article about spirits or schizophrenia. And, you know, because they say often what's heard are voices. Some people find it distressing and think that they have a mental health problem. Or it leads to a mental health diagnosis. And other people are like excited about it and think that they are psychics and Uh. mediums and channeling. You know, it comes down to how you sort of interpret it. And there's been studies. Well, there was research conducted at Durham University and they actually called, called it Hearing the Voice Project. And yeah, they, they basically surveyed all these spiritualists who said, you know, hearing voices was was a normal part of their lives. Yeah, it comes down to how somebody's reaction is to he- hearing the voices. I think there's more to it, but mm. in I don't think you can sort of disregard that somebody might be schizophrenic. I think that's quite right. difficult. But definitely, yeah. 
in your family's case, not my family, Michelle. No, sorry. Family. In in your in your story's case, they're all hearing the voices. Yeah, yeah, they all are. And a reporter heard too, and some other locals have said they heard it as well. So first samples were taken. There's plasticine molds of foot and hand prints of Jeff. Pictures taken of finger fingers coming out of the wall and weird things. I saw them, but I couldn't really make out what they were. But the first samples were tested and showed to be that of a dog. And they oh. think it might have been the family sheepdog, Mona. So anyway, Dad James died in 1945 and the family sold the farmhouse. And that seemed to be the end of Jeff, despite the fact that the new owner said he had shot and killed a strange looking animal, but it was black and white. And Fuari said it wasn't Jeff at all. She'd seen the picture of the thing that he killed yeah. or maybe maybe heard the description. So she went to her grave in 2005, insisting that they had not made it up. Harry Price gained public prominence for his investigations into psychical phenomena and also by experience exposing fraudulent spiritualist mediums and when he visited the Irvings and observed that those double walls with the wooden panelling were covering the interior rooms of the old stone farmhouse there was a lot of interior airspace in the middle between the two walls like the stone and the wooden panels okay and he said that the wooden walls made the whole house one great speaking tube with walls like sounding boards right. and by speaking into one of the many apertures in the panels it could be possible to convey the voice to various parts of the house. Okay. It could be that it was some sort of trick that was being I was going to say I some mean, kind of elaborate hoax. Yeah. But that's a lot of effort to go through yeah, no. for what? And it was for years, 10 years at least yeah. this went on for. And it was also said that Harry Price was less than enthusiastic about this particular case. And he concluded that the physical evidence was proved to be dogs or other animals. Yet mm. still, he couldn't rule out the idea that Jeff might be real despite not having spoken to him directly. Okay. Most people believed Fuari was was performing these great feats of ventriloquism, but her father, James, was absolutely adamant that it wasn't her. Yeah. Do you remember we spoke about um, the Thornton Heath case? Yeah. Now, do you remember your Bulgarian paranormal investigator called Nandor Fodor? Oh, yes, Nandor. Nandor Fodor. So he's made an appearance? He makes an appearance here. So he pioneered the theory that poltergeists are... External manifestations of conflicts within the subconscious mind rather than autonomous entities with minds of their own. Okay. So he's, do you get that? Do you understand what that is? Yeah. Break it down. So break it down. So he said that instead of it being something that you don't control that's just there causing your furniture to fly around the room, it's actually, it's something that manifests externally. It comes out of you without you realizing because you are, it's a subconscious thing. So you're not a thing. You're not even aware of it. That's why poltergeists, he was the one that linked teenage girls and adolescents to that's poltergeists. Right. That's right. Yeah. He said that poltergeists were usually caused or generally caused by people in distress or traumatized right and as we said before michelle in 1938 fodor investigated the thornton heath poltergeist case that you spoke about which involved mrs forbes i can't remember her first name me either that was the in the poltergeist episode if you want to hear about that that was quite an incredible story though because miss mrs forbes did things like manifest a piece of jewelry that was under a glass case and she, they came yeah. out of the shop and it was in her hand you know it was mental yeah. but he explained that mrs forbes's unconscious mind was responsible for all those goings on and that they weren't mysterious spirits and he also claimed that mrs forbes had 
incurred sexual trauma during her childhood. She had been abused as a child and that trauma had been repressed and that was the cause of her poltergeist activity. Right. But his pals at the Institute of Psychical Research did not agree with that. So he then lost a lot of respect after making that claim. But he did say that poltergeists are an unmitigated affliction. So basically what he means by that is they're in a very annoying presence and it's not a fun thing to have. Whereas Jeff is an asset because he puts the fires out and he <laughs> puts rabbits at the back door. So Jeff is actually quite quite nice to have around by other people's standards. Well, he's helping out. He's pulling his weight. He's pulling his weight a bit like you at the moment, Michelle. Oh, here. thanks, Star. But anyway, so Vari was not the only one to, as I mentioned before, she wasn't the only one to have witnessed Jeff. He lived there for about 10 years. So her father also witnessed Jeff, James. So the whole family, I think, had definitely heard Jeff mm. and the reporter as well who came in. They heard, he also heard that strange, clear, high voice. What Fodor thought of this was that Jeff was actually a split off part of Jim Irving's, James Irving's unconscious. Huh. He said, he said that James or Jim was a man who failed in life. Do you remember? He was a very successful piano salesman before they moved to the Isle of Man and it was his second marriage. Nandor Fodor's idea was that Jim was a man who failed in life and whose many passions were too strong to bear this failure with resignation. As a commercial traveller, that's what he used to do with his job before, yeah. his horizons were too wide, both phys physically and mentally. So to reconcile himself to the cabined and confined life of a sheep and goat farmer in a godforsaken spot where he was constantly struggling against physical starvation, that had caused him to split off part of his personality. What do you think of all this? Well, I'm not sure. He felt that his unconscious took care of the job and produced this strange hybrid of Jeff, fitting no category of humans, animals or ghosts, yet having common features with all of them. And he also said that Irving had been a student of psychical research. Okay. So he thinks that, he, it's a, that Jeff was born from someone who had already had an interest in the occult and okay. the netherworld. And he, that's why he feels that it was down to Jim at the end of the day, the dad. I don't know what I think about that. I, I think jury for me, the jury's out. Well, what about the fact, Michelle, that when, when Jim died, there was no more Jeff? Right. Yeah, but that's quite a strong manifestation. Mm, isn't it? It's quite unusual. But that's anyway. almost like a poltergeist of a spirit that's not dead yet. No, it's a new invention. It's like like Fodor said, it's part ghost, part animal, part... I can't remember. Yeah, it had all the characteristics of all yeah. different things. Human, animal and ghost. So Hybrid. That's kind of blowing my mind a bit because... Mm. That it wasn't her, it was the dad. Yeah, but that, that's even possible. I know. This clear high voice that when the reporters heard it, they yeah. said it was not the sort of voice that would ever come from a human. It was just too weird. I just can't even imagine what that voice must sound like. No, me either. I'm, Can you I do it? something like this? But that's so human. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know but listen, either. You asked me earlier. What about something like no, this? Clear and high. Clear and high. Oh, okay. Clear and high. <laughs> but listen, you asked me earlier 
if Fwari had ever spoken about this as an adult. And yes. yes, she did. She gave one interview before she died. I don't know when, Ooh. how old she was. Okay. But she, she she gave one one interview as an adult about her alleged experiences and her family's experiences with Jeff. Mm-hmm. And although later during his years with the family, he seemed protective of her, Jeff, that is, she didn't remember him fondly at all. She said, oh. Jeff was very detrimental to my life. We were snubbed by the community. The other ch- children used to call me the spook. I had to leave the Isle of Man and hope, and I hope that no one where I work now ever knows the story. She even believed that Jeff was responsible for her never having married. No. Jeff, you bastard. You bastard. She said, how could I ever tell a man's family about what happened? Well, you don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to. You can keep secrets, love. I mean, we all do. <laughs> anyway, the last thing she said on the subject was, I wish he had left us alone. God. And imagine if that really was the dad. What was the point? I know. What was I the know. point? Maybe he wasn't even mm. in control. But I can see Vari's point as well because it's not cool. To be the weird girl who has with the, with a poltergeist yeah, best the friend. Whole island, not the whole island and the whole world knows about it. And that island's getting unwanted and unwelcomed attention, really, yeah. from the media. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. But she didn't dispute that it happened. That's what I was sort of angling at when I asked about Vwari. Did she, in later life, say, yeah, we made it up? But Never. No. no she didn't. She said... It happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I don't know what I think about this. Thank you so much for talking about that. Now I need to ponder whether or not. I mean, the fact that it's a mongoose. Who even I know. comes up with a it's mongoose? Nuts. I know. But I'm I'm now imagining the Isle of Man to be some windswept, godforsaken, yeah. you know, island, like a little bit like sort of those Wicker movies. What am I thinking of? That Wick- film, like Wicker Scottish- Man. The Wicker Man, exactly, yes. the Wicker Man. I'm thinking of somewhere like that now, and I, I really want to go visit it. Should, Should we, we go? do it? Shall we do, do it? Do we do it? Yeah. The house it. has been burnt down now. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm, they always do And, of do course, that. the owner of the, the – the guy who bought the house from the Irving family said that he shot and caught a strange animal that he believed to be Jeff. Okay. But, you know, Jeff had actually stopped hanging about or there was no more activity of Jeff after Jim Irving's death. Yeah. Yeah, that is quite a coincidence. Yeah. So did um, Fodor come up with the theory before the dad had died? Oh, I don't know, actually. I don't know when he came up with that theory. That's yeah. an interesting point. I wonder. Maybe we, I'll, I think it was before. Well, I'll do some research and put some links mm. and maybe we'll learn. But wow, what a story. What a story. Yeah. Thank you. It's good, isn't it? He also said, he also said something along the lines of, I am from the fifth dimension. I am from the fifth dimension. And we hear a lot about the fifth dimension these days. That's something that the QAnoners are really into. It's a new generation. And I don't know if they're talking about the telephone masks, 5G. (laughs) I didn't say mask. That's right. I meant mast. I, I, well, I knew you meant mast, but I just let it go. I let it go. Because (laughs) I have to say, apologies. I know people might, people, I know I'm not at my best today and I do have to confess I'm very, very hungover from oh, an amazing night dancing in Dalston. So oh. that, it was really fun to just dance my little 
tush off. I had a great time. Reliving your youth. But it has had an effect. My brain is slow. You're slow. Oh, no, I think you did a good job. Don't be hard on yourself. It was good. Thanks, Tal. But you know what? We can go and make a cup of tea and sit down and catch up on I'm a Celebrity or we can watch Succession. It's on tonight. Well, do you know what, Michelle? I think it's time for us to wrap it up because you're about to collapse. I am. So. <laughs> oh, well, look, thank you again for amazing stories. And thank you. But let's remind our listeners that you can like, subscribe and share. Please tell your friends we need the support. Go to eavesdropping.com at our website or go to Spotify to listen to things or go to YouTube and sign up as one of our subscribers and you'll get to see all the videos. If you're not on social media, then you won't see the dancing and the silly videos. That's true. And just a small correction, eavesdroppingpodcast.com. Thank you very much, Michelle. <laughs> and okay. finally, what we need to tell you is... Whatever you do, wherever you are, just keep, keep on eavesdropping. 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 Eavesdropping.